Hello, friends. This is Pastor Pierce Eaton, and you're listening to First and Foremost, a podcast where we give you teaching and tools to make Jesus Christ first and foremost in your life. All right, so we're in Advent. Um, So Advent is the season observed by God's people. Um, And we observe this during the time leading up to Christmas. Advent is a season of waiting and preparation for, uh, for Christ's birth. Uh, so as we look at his first advent, we, we prepare ourselves for Christmas, but then we also in Advent prepare ourselves for Christ's coming, his second advent, his second coming. Our passage today is on John the Baptist. Um, so John the Baptist is the one who God sends before Jesus to prepare his way. And we're going to look at a passage where the angel of the Lord goes to Zechariah, who is the father of John the Baptist, and tells him of his son and who he's going to be and what God's going to do through him. So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. And now that you guys are officially comfortable, I want to invite you to stand, and uh, we're going to read God's word. I'll read it aloud. You can just follow along, look at the words on the screen, or if you have your Bible with you. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, God's word says this, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just." To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Let's pray. Father, as we seek to unpack your word, as we seek to take just a a small nugget from this passage and apply it to our lives, Lord, we ask that you help us be people who are prepared for your coming. Lord, be with us now as we, uh, as we seek to hear from you. Lord, I ask that you speak through me, and that you all give us ears, and give us all ears to hear you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. So, John the Baptist was sent by God to prepare the way for Christ, for the Messiah. Um, this, this, uh, this role of John the Baptist was prophesied about in the Old Testament quite a bit because the Lord tells us in the Old Testament, God tells us that he's going to send this Christ figure. And before he does, he's going to prepare a way for him. In Malachi 3.1, the Bible says, Behold, I will send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. In Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, Mark chapter 1 makes it very clear that John the Baptist is the fulfillment of those two prophecies in the Old Testament. 
that God would, would send someone ahead of Christ to prepare the heart of Israel to receive their king. And many people wouldn't receive Christ for who he actually was until later. Um, through, through John's work and, and what he was preaching in the wilderness, a, a baptism of repentance is what he was preaching, is what it says in Mark chapter 1, that, that through that God would bring many people to himself but actually, a lot of people wouldn't recognize who Jesus is until after his resurrection. And it was after his resurrection that the light came on, and all those people who were following John the Baptist years earlier, now they understood. But some and many people also saw Jesus for who he was during his life and his ministry. But the big picture I just am trying to paint for you is that God prepares the way for his coming. God doesn't leave it up to chance. He prepares the way. He, he makes sure that, that his people know who he is, that we hear his voice. I pray um, that, well, let me state this. What John the Baptist did for Israel at Christ's coming, Advent, the season, can do for us in spiritually preparing us for Christmas. I hope that Christmas doesn't find you spiritually unprepared. I think many of us can get caught up in so many different things during the season that we find ourselves unprepared. And so that is the focus of my sermon and the title of it this morning, if you see in your bulletin, Prepare for Christmas. Now, when we think about preparing for Christmas, we don't think about uh, what we probably should actually prepare for Christmas. We think about the tree, and we think about our house, and we think about all kinds of things. But I want to encourage you this morning with my first point, which is to prepare your heart. Prepare your heart. So, um, a couple years ago, well, more than a couple years ago, several years ago, um, Karen and I moved from an apartment complex into the first house that we ever lived in as a married couple. And it was, in, it was in Holotus. We lived in the San Antonio area, and I was a part of a church there. And we lived in the parsonage. If you don't know what a parsonage is, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a house that the church owns, and they put their pastor in it. And uh, lots of times it's falling apart and not a very good house, but this one wasn't bad. Um, and anyways, it was our first chance to, to live in a house together as a married couple and decorate the yard and the outside of the house for Christmas. Do you guys decorate your home, the outside of it, for Christmas? I, well, I'm going to spare you from a story from, from this year. I'll tell it another time. But I want to tell you about from a few years ago. So a few years ago, we were ready to decorate for Christmas. We, we want to put up the lights on the outside of the house. And so we go to Walmart to buy lights for putting up on the outside of the house. And I get the lights, and I go home, and I bust out the ladder, and, and I start putting them up. And I, I get through the lights, and I'm about halfway through the house, the front of the house, and I realize, oh, I don't have any more lights. It's weird. I thought I did my calculations correctly. So I get down from the ladder, go get in the car, drive back to Walmart, buy more lights, go back home, get back up on the ladder, start putting them up, get about halfway through that light strand, and then realize, I ran out of clips to hang the lights 
on the house. Things are starting to get a little frustrating at this point. I go back down the ladder. I drive to Walmart. I look for like 25 minutes for the clips. They don't have any. I then go to Home Depot and thank God they did have clips, but they were a different kind of clip and we're not going to go down that road. So, we, so I, I get the clip and I go home and I start putting them up. I'm almost done putting them up. And then Karen comes out and she asks the crucial question. Pierce, did you test the lights before you put them on the house? In that moment, I knew that I might have gone to school a lot, but I am an idiot. Um, <laughs> so I, I tell her, like, oh, they're new lights. You wouldn't have to worry about that. They're new lights. Thinking, like, oh, my goodness, they better turn on. I finish putting them up, and then at that point, I go to grab the extension cord and walk over to the lights, go to plug them in, and then, oh, no, nothing happened. And at that point, I'm thinking, oh, no, what did I do? You know, should I have tested them? Were these faulty lights and all that? But then I thought, hold on, could be a more simple explanation. Let me make sure the extension cord is plugged in. So I go over, I check the extension cord. Well, it turns out the extension cord is not long enough to reach the lights from the plug. So I unplugged it whenever I plugged it into the... So I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. I look for an extension cord. We don't have a good extension cord for it. But I am not going to go buy a new extension cord. And so at this point, I just walk across the parking lot to the church building, and I, I grab one of the church's extension cords, plug it all in. It works, and then we're good to go. Okay, so um, I know that some of the men in this room have had similar or worse experiences putting up lights on your house, yes? Um, we don't want to say amen to that because then everyone will know who we are. Um, it was frustrating and kind of embarrassing, um, putting up the lights and doing all that. And what should have been, this was not a very large house. It should have been less than like an hour, maybe around an hour job, turned into probably a four and a half hour job of me running around and doing all of that stuff. And there was only one reason for why. And it was because I was not prepared. I didn't do the work ahead of time to prepare what I needed so that the job would be easy. The reason why I shared this silly story with you is because the season of Advent is a season of preparation. That's what it is. We prepare ourselves to look back at the delight of Christ's first Advent in Christmas, but we also prepare our hearts and look forward to Christ's second Advent and his second coming. Now here's the thing. Before we can delight in Christ's second coming, we must first learn to delight in his first coming. If our hearts are not transformed by Christ coming in a manger, then it will be too late when he comes in the clouds. So we, we, we need to make sure we're preparing our heart for Christ's arrival this Christmas season. So I want to give you four quick, uh, four quick ways that we can prepare our hearts during this Christmas season. Um, these are just some simple instructions for us to make sure that we're, we're, actually, we're actually preparing for the real reason of Christmas. The first one is to slow down. Slow down. 
During this time of year, it's so easy to get caught up in the hustle and bustle of Christmas, is it not? There's another Christmas party. There's another engagement. There's another person visiting. There's another toy or gift you have to get. There's, there's all these different things that, that pull on us in a, in a thousand different directions. And this time of year can seem so busy and difficult. In fact, I know many of you, the Christmas season has just started and you're already ready for it to be over. Some of you hate Christmas time because of all of the pulling in different directions. And I just want to tell you, slow down. I want to give you permission as your pastor to say no. Say no to some things, especially if the flip side of that coin in saying yes is that you're going to be burnt out. You're not going to be prepared for Christmas spiritually. Maybe you'll have all the Christmas ducks in a row, everything's decorated, the, the presents are wrapped, but your heart is not prepared. So slow down. Second thing is to spend time reading God's word. Um, if you don't have a Christmas devotional, an Advent devotional, um, go online. There's plenty of free ones out there that are really good. The Bible app has them. Um, there's a lot of Advent devotionals that take you from December 1st to December 25th, and they're great. If you've never done one before, I, I really, really encourage it. If you've done one before, do it again. Um, they're awesome because what they do, a good one at least, is it takes you through the grand narrative of Scripture and helps you see how Jesus and him coming in a manger is the fulfillment of all of this Old Testament prophecy. That he's not just some, uh, it's not some fanciful story and birth that we celebrate, but it's that he is really the Christ. And an Advent devotional helps you see that and prepares your heart for that. Third thing to do is to take time to soberly reflect on your life, your sins, and your need for Christ's salvation. Last week, if you weren't here, um, I encourage you to go back and listen to the sermon. But last week, I preached and brought up the idea that Christmas must be an indictment before it can be a delight. That's crucial for us to know and understand. Bef before the, the salvation that we receive by, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, before that tastes sweet to us, we must first understand the bitterness of our sin. If we weren't sinful, Christ need not come. So Christmas is an indictment before it's a delight. We need to take time to soberly reflect and think about our own brokenness, our sins, and our need for salvation. Because when we do that, then Christmas is delightful. Fourth thing to do is to spend time in prayer and praise. So when the delight of Christmas begins to well up in our hearts, it will overflow into praise. You praise things that, that you love, that you delight in, right? You praise your kids, you praise your favorite restaurant, you praise all kinds of different things. And it's the same way that when we delight in God, when we delight in the salvation we received in Christ then it wells up in us in praise. 
We can praise God by conversing with him in prayer. We can praise him through music. And my favorite, we can praise him by telling other people, by witnessing, by letting others know who Jesus is. So I think if we do these four things, if we slow down, if we spend time in God's word, if we reflect on our need for salvation, and if we spend time in prayer and praise, then our hearts will be prepared for Christmas. Point two this morning is to prepare your family. Prepare your family. Or prepare your home. Okay, favorite Christmas tradition over here. Yell some out. Favorite Christmas tradition. What was that? Gingerbread house. Oh, yeah, we had a gingerbread bash yesterday. Church Christmas parties. Sweater, ugly sweater festivals. Uh, what, are, what are some others right up here on the front? Some favorites? Family. family. Yeah, getting family together. Absolutely. And then the, decorating the Christmas tree, decorating the outside of your house for some of you. Um, cookies. I heard that. Yeah, 50, remember last week, 52% of Americans say their favorite part about the Christmas holiday is the sweets. So I know that some of you are not wanting to state what it really is that's your favorite part. Um, so, <laughs> no, I mean, we have all kinds of traditions. My favorite tradition growing up um, was, or my favorite tradition of my childhood is not my favorite tradition now of my childhood, if that makes sense. Like whenever I was a kid, my favorite thing was, go figure, opening presents, right? <laughs> Every kid's favorite part of Christmas, opening presents, right? Um, or giving presents, you know, if I felt generous. And um, um, so anyways, uh, that was my favorite part about Christmas. But you know what's funny is my favorite part about Christmas when I was a kid got in the way, or maybe my, let me rephrase this, my favorite part of Christmas now that I'm adult, and I look back at my childhood, my favorite kind of um, thing that we did as a family, it got in the way of my favorite thing that we did as a child. I know that's a weird statement. Let me, let me, let me kind of clarify. So, my favorite thing, of course, was opening gifts, but on Christmas Day every year, my dad, before we could open gifts, would gather us together, and he would open his Bible, and he would read the story of Christ's birth in Luke chapter 2. It was a beautiful thing, except for I hated it as a kid, because it meant like, like another five minutes that I had to look at the presents and hear my dad talk before I could open the presents, right? It's like, I just wanted those and yet, now looking back as an adult, I am so thankful for my dad taking the time to read the Christmas story before we opened presents. And I didn't realize what it was doing. He was reminding us of why we even opened presents in the first place. But as a kid, I just wanted to get to the presents and have my dad stop talking. But now, I, I'm thankful because my parents were working to prepare my heart for the true meaning, the true reality of Christmas. That it wasn't just about presents or decorating the tree or anything like that. Why do I tell you this? Many of us have children in our homes. We have family that will come over around Christmas time or we're going to go see family. 
um, I want to encourage you to prepare your family for Christmas. Lead your family to know and cherish the truth of Christmas and what it means. Because if we can only get our kids excited about Christmas because of the gifts, then maybe we're missing something. Maybe we are. Our society has attempted to hijack Christmas, and I would argue they've been successful. So you just watch any Christmas movie or you see any kind of Christmas stuff out there, then what is it about? It's either about Santa or it's about kind of love and kindness and, and unity and just kind of this vague sense of like usness that, that they're seeking after. And, and I'm not against those things. Those are, those, are, those are good things. But the only reason why we even care about love and kindness and giving during this season is because God in Christ gave us the ultimate gift. And we have to recognize that. That's the only reason why we give gifts. That's the only reason why we even celebrate this time is because God in Christ gave us the ultimate gift of salvation through Jesus. He lived the life you could not live and he died the death you deserve. He didn't deserve death. He was sinless in every way. You do. And yet by him going to the cross on your behalf, he's made an exchange for you that's given by grace through faith in him that you can receive. And the fruit of that is freedom now from sin, relationship now with God, but eternal life with him as well. As parents, we can turn our kids' mind toward the real meaning for Christmas. Not forsaking the other things that are fun. I like all the frills of Christmas, um, but Christmas is not about the frills. And if that's all that we make it for our kids, then that's all they'll see it for. I want to read you a quote from uh, John Piper on, it's in one of his Advent devotionals, and I, I just... I think he says it well, so I want to quote him. He says, build God-centered, that's an important word there, God-centered anticipation and expectancy and excitement into your home, especially for the children. If you are excited about Christmas, they will be too. If you can only make Christmas exciting with material things, then how would the children get a thirst for God? Bend the efforts of your imagination to make the wonder of the king's arrival visible for the children. Okay, so there are a lot of different ways that you can do this. And I'm not going to list everything today. But um, one, some simple things that we can do is in the normal kind of things that, you know, when we're baking sweets, we point to the sweetness of salvation in Christ, the normal things that we're doing, we decorate the tree, and there's lights all over the tree. We could talk about how there were uh, stars that filled the sky, and that's what these lights represent, is the stars that filled the sky on the night of Christ's birth. And there was one star, and that's the, at the top of the tree that, that brought the Magi to Jesus. Or maybe it's an angel that you have at the top of your tree. Or you can, you can point to Christ in all kinds of different ways. One of the ways that I have a friend that does it is that he has a... a uh, a nativity set that they put on a table, and it has 25 pieces. It's a pretty big one. So there's like little sheep and all kinds of things like that. And every day of December, they add one more piece to the image or to the picture. 
until eventually on the 25th, they put baby Jesus in the manger. And it's just a really cool thing that they do with the kids. And, and every day they, they think about and remember that this is what Christmas is about. Or one of the things that we're doing as a family, uh, our oldest daughter Lila is four. And we felt like this year is a great year to start a new tradition um, that points our kids towards Christ during Christmas. And we, are, we bought this thing called Advent Blocks. We got it from Lifeway. And each block has... Um, like a number for the days of December, but it also has an image on it that corresponds with our Advent devotional that we're doing as a family. And it's, it's just a fun, creative way to get the kids more involved and they get to play with the blocks and mess with them. And uh, what's really cool is to see how our oldest daughter, Lila, loves the, the Advent story that we read every day. In fact, yesterday, as we were coming back from the outlet mall, we went there um, yesterday, and on the way home in the evening, Lila was in the car and she said, I can't wait till we get home so that we can read our Advent story. So it's really cool to see how our daughter is uh, loving to know more about this, this beautiful story. Why, why is Jesus significant? We're painting that picture for her in the Advent blocks and, and devotional. Um, so there are a lot of different things you can do. Um, I would, I would recommend, you know, take a look at some different things online. There's a lot of ideas. You can ask me. There are more ideas. I'm going to talk about it a little bit in my podcast this week. So if you've never listened to the podcast, maybe this is a good week to listen to it for the first time. But you can check out our podcast and see what areas, um, other areas you can kind of lead your kids to know more about the reason for Christmas. But prepare your family for Christmas. You have a leadership role, parents. And let me tell you, some of you who have kids that are older than me, it's never too late to point your child toward Jesus. They're never too far gone. You can continue to do that. And then the third thing this morning, we're going to kind of point it back to our passage that we read earlier, which is prepare the world. Third point, prepare the world. So, God sends John the Baptist to prepare the way for Christ by telling Israel of their coming king. And that's, that's, what, he, that's what John the Baptist did. And we get to join in the story. That work of, of preparing the people for their coming king is not done. Did you know that? So John prepared Israel for their coming king at, at Christ's first arrival. But Jesus over and over in scripture promises us that he is returning. He leaves and he promises us that he's coming back. And, and when he comes back, it's not going to be good news for everyone. Because when he comes back, uh, he says, his words, not mine, that he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. That, that he's going to uh, resurrect some to eternal life in him, and he's going to resurrect some to eternal judgment. Those aren't my words, those are Jesus. You can read Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is very clear that he's coming back. And here's the thing. We have been given a mission 
to prepare. Just as God sends, sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for Christ the Messiah to come the first time, now God sends his church to prepare the way for Jesus' second coming. This is important for us to understand. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 makes this point. Verse 18 says, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the ministry or the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. During Advent, the more that we grow to delight in the reality of Christmas and the salvation that we receive through Christ, the more it spills over in a beautiful burden and desire to share this salvation with others. That, that's what it boils over into. Um, this, is, uh, this is ultimately Christ's command to his people that we are his ambassadors sent to prepare the world for the coming of the end of the age. This is why the last command that Jesus gives is not hang out and be friends and just build really cool churches with cool buildings. And it's like, I'm thankful for a cool building. But no, he doesn't say that. He says, go and make disciples. That's what Jesus commands us to do. This is his final command that he gives to his people before he leaves earth. Because that's what we're supposed to be doing until he returns. I want to just kind of take a moment to celebrate you guys in that we started this campaign or this, this challenge last week to, for you guys to share the gospel with 400 people from Advent to Easter. So we've got about 17 weeks we're trying to reach at least 400 people with the gospel message. And this past week, you guys shared the gospel with around 20 people, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, and I know some of you have even shared with me that he's like, hey, I didn't get a chance. I did share the gospel this week, and I didn't get a chance to fill out one of those forms, and so, um, so please fill one of those out, but I, I just want to encourage you guys, as we're doing this challenge, the whole point of this is to help you start to see that God has sent you into our world as a disciple maker, and that he presents you with opportunities to share the truth of who he is all over the place. Now, we might be blind to see it sometimes, but God opens up opportunities all the time. And so I want to just, I just want to encourage you again. I've done this now three weeks in a row. Begin praying every day for an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with someone that day. And then when you're on your, on your way to work and you're in the car, pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with someone at work. When you're in the car and you're driving back home, pray for an opportunity to share the gospel with someone at the gas station or wherever you go. Pray and look for opportunities. And I know, I believe, that if you pray fervently for opportunities to share Christ with others, then God will open up opportunities for you to do just that. To qualify that, that doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a one hour long, big presentation. It can be something simple. I was speaking with someone earlier who said they were in line at CVS. And, 
and in that line, they, they got to have just a very brief, like three sentence conversation or three, three sentence sharing of the gospel. And um, I, I just, I just want to say that's awesome. Um, sometimes we can think that if we don't have, well, I don't have 45 minutes to have this conversation. This doesn't mean that God can't use it. Um, there's been so many times where I've shared the gospel with someone and it's been like, oh, well, it's good to hear, you know, about, about this or that thing in your life. And then I, maybe I'm on a, a quick and I'm in a hurry and I'm just like, hey, can I share something with you real quick? Do you know who God is? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I think so. Well, I don't know if you have a relationship with him, but if you want one, he wants one with you. All you have to do is place your faith in Jesus. He died for your sins on the cross so that you don't have to work your way to God. He did it for you. All you need to do is trust and believe in him. Is that something you'd want to do? Boom. That's, that's so simple. That's so short. But that's an open door to share the truth that Jesus came. He died for your sins. All you need to do is trust him. Follow him with your life. You guys want to do, do that this week? Share that with somebody this week? So like seven of you want to, and that's really cool. I'm thankful for the seven of you. Hey, here's the thing. Once again, we, we just have an opportunity to Christmas. I'm, I'm just saying this. Christmas is like the best time to be evangelistic. It really is. I'm just, I'm just saying that. It really is. You're going you're gonna to realize come January that it's a lot more difficult. Everyone's decorating for Christmas. Everyone's going out to do things. Everyone's going to look at, you know, Christmas lights or this and that. And you can engage someone and be like, hey, do you know what that nativity scene's about? And they're like, well, I don't know. And you share the gospel with them. It, it, the, the Christmas holiday season opens up so many opportunities to share the truth of the gospel with people who may not know it. And if they do, awesome. We're glad we can send them off to, to share it too and reach other people. But I want to encourage you, continue looking for opportunities this week. And obviously and, and largely, I want you to work at preparing yourself for Christmas. Prepare your heart. Prepare your family. And we have a job to prepare the world. Um, I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray for us. Um, there are Bible study leaders that are going to be around the room. If you need prayer for anything, um, they would love to pray with you. But we're going to sing a song together, and then after that we will be sent. Pray with me. Father, you're good. We love you, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to draw close to you during this season. Help us prepare our hearts to respond to you in faith on Christmas Day. Lord, um, Give us opportunities to disciple our family and our friends well. We have young children in the home, Lord. We ask that you lead us as we lead them. Help us to prepare their young hearts and minds to respond to the truth of who you are. And Lord, um, we just ask that this week, as we go out, as we're sent out, that you, you help us see the opportunities that you present to us all around us to share who you are with others. Help us to see that, Father, we ask. And Lord, as we lift up praises to you, as we adore you um, through Christmas songs, Lord, just ask that you inhabit the praises of your people. We pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.